Everybody, welcome back to Help Me Study the Bible. Did you, Scott, did you know that's what we're called? Did you know I, that? I did not. I did not. I just showed up and You're just we like, did the thing. Dan said, be here at <laughs> 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. Dan said there'd be donuts. Yes. And he said there wouldn't Which be Which I have yet to win. There would be no donuts and then only donuts. <laughs> so... No, What's up, Maria? Maria is the provider of donuts, and she's in the house. I love yes, it. Maria. I love it. And Maria. See, I got her over here. I gotta edit this so that when I put when I put people's things up there, they can, you know, you can see it. You can see what's going Ooh. on. We're live on the group, right? Yeah, we're live in the group. So only the HP folks are ever gonna see this. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. Here we go. She says hi there. See, look how, look how that works. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's fancy. It's cool. <laughs> Maria, um, I want to know if you make any other types of donuts than what you uh, sampled for us uh, the other the other week. I want to know, like, are there cream-filled donuts? I don't know. I don't want to get crazy. I don't want to be demanding. I'm just curious. Like, what does your <laughs> donut repertoire include? There's been a lot of talk about donuts uh, in... Uh, <coughs> In the Bible study world, it's like I'm studying the Bible. It's the Where's only thing, give me my. It's the only thing driving this thing, right? It's the only yeah. thing. Yeah. Laura Wasco's here. See, Laura says hi. See, look at this. Oh, guy. Laura, so, what's up? I love, I love bringing people's pictures into here. This is excellent. I am very limited in my donut knowledge. I know that there are a lot of different kinds of donuts out there, but I just stick with my cake donut. The cake donut. Is that wrong? It's, no. Why would that be wrong? Why would that be wrong? That's a, a delicious thing. Oh, look at what, look at what Maria that, says. I want to show you this right here. She goes, we are working on red velvet. Oh, How red velvet. Red velvet. Huh? And she said we can fill the ones we make with uh, I'm a fan. cheese, whipped cream. That's amazing. I also see some bird students hopping in the, in the comments. Hey, Coleman. Coleman's here. Rebecca Douglas is here. Sorry, Rebecca. Didn't want to miss you. I imagine that yes. Dan is not too far over your shoulder or about, I don't know, maybe Dan's wrestling the dog. Have you ever seen the Douglas's dog? I have not, no. It's, um, uh, Rebecca, don't, uh, it's like an English Mastiff or, or something like oh, that. Geez. French Mastiff, maybe? There's only three types a of A German Mastiff. A German. Spanish. The Mastiff. I can, I can yeah. do it too. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's only three. Uh, but it's one of those. It looks like the dog from the Beast or the Beast from uh, Santa. Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> I just imagine Dan always being at his home and uh, like having to wrestle, wrestle that. So, so Wasco wanted to know if um, I'm Zoom hopping tonight because she just saw me with Dexter a second ago. <laughs> the answer is yes. And so we got to keep this short tonight because I actually got to hop back on that call. We've got a really important conversation that um, we're having. I'm kind of a tangential player in the whole thing, um, but Dex and I, uh, we, we posted on the podcast today, if you uh, follow Churches Now Online, uh, we put a conversation with Dexter about the Ahmad Arbery uh, yeah. shooting, which is a tragic, um, just a horrific, horrific news coming out about that. And so yeah. a bunch of, uh, bunch of people are, are over at the Gary campus right now, not at the campus, they're doing the Zoom thing. And uh, chopping that up. So yes, Laura, I'm not practicing my omnipresence. I I can only be. I've got one webcam. I can only be in one place at one time. So uh, until Scott, next week, you know, just gotta get another week, one in. We'll figure, yeah, we'll get another one. How hard can that be? Um, Scott, we uh, yes. we had a great week last week. Maybe give us a yes. little uh, just 
can you give us a quick like recap of of kind of what we what what we did maybe our process last week yeah no it was good last week i it was a lot of foundational stuff and um i hope it was helpful for you guys as we kind of dig into making the bible accessible to everyone as the bible should be accessible to everyone there is no secret magic code on how to do this you have to get in and sit with the text um we last week kind of worked through a method or a strategy that might be a little helpful in digging out some of these universal principles that we can apply to our life in first peter specifically um and so last week we talked a lot about the context who it was written to um you know when it was written why it was written answering all of these um inductive questions we talked a little bit about the structure of chapter one and so dan you went through and kind of broke down um okay where lit like in the literary scheme of this where does this break down how are we following his argument peter's argument through this this book um and you you broke them down and then chopped them up into kind of smaller themes like two word two word descriptions of the sections yeah and you don't and, have to uh, do that that just was how it hit me in the moment that's how i wanted to yeah. describe it i might do it differently today than i did back then but those are themes, right? Well, Dan, it was funny. I was thinking back on that, and that's how I was taught in seminary to to preach. So, like the the homo, like the hermeneutics and then the homiletics, sure. you get it down to like two words, and that's your your main idea for the preaching. I don't know if, if you were taught the same way, but I was. I was never taught that, that last week. It makes sense to me. I, I probably would yeah. have been better in your preaching classes than. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe we should have swapped. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we talked context, structure, theme, and then tonight, hopefully, we'll focus a little bit more um, in this next chapter on gospel and life. So, kind of five different steps that work yeah. us through how do we apply what's going on in Peter to what's going on in our life. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. That was a wonderful recap. See, we're going to hit our 30 minute time mark. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to thank Sharon. I want to thank um, Monica. Uh, I want to thank uh, Eric Wasco. Those are the three people who were able to upload uh, some of their work and um, they're in the running for nice. I want to extend a little offer. If you go to the, um, if you scroll down on the Facebook group a little bit, um, I'd love for you just to snap a picture. Part of what I want to see is just, are you getting it? Are you seeing how um, one, one approach is to study the Bible? Again, this is just like desert island Bible study. We're trying to keep some voices out so that we can just understand what we think about it. If we had, you know, eight weeks to do this, Scott, I would then, after I've gone through the whole book myself, and yeah. come up with what I think it's talking about and, and kind of hovered, you know, what you said was brilliant. You, there's no magic to it. You just got to get yourself in front of the text. You just got to get in the text. Um, th at that point, after I've gone through the whole thing, then I would actually crack commentaries. I would actually like try and go like, how much did I get right? And then I would mm -hmm. let them challenge me and shape me and sort of point out things that I probably missed completely. Um, so I'm not saying, we're never saying that commentaries are evil. We just are saying yeah. that first. Don't yeah. rush to a commentary because there's more in you than you know. There is yeah. more uh, God, God's spirit at work in you prayerfully illuminating the text will show mm -hmm. you what he wants you to know. So, yeah, um, yeah don't two. let somebody else, don't let somebody else work, work out your hermeneutical muscles for you. Like you got to get into it and, and you'll get better in it as, as I am. Like I'm still working trying to figure it out, but yeah, chapter two. 
I had um, H.P. Charles. I don't know if you know the preacher H.P. Charles from Florida. Yeah. He's a, a, a awesome black preacher. Um, he was a president of the Southern Baptist Convention not too long ago. He um, he taught me and Mark Colton some hermeneutics, and he um, he called it uh, spring training. He called what we're doing spring training. <laughs> he said the rookie and the seasoned all-star all show up to spring training, and they go through the same drills. It doesn't matter yep. if you swung that bat a million times. It doesn't matter. You know, you're taking your reps. And so I love it because Bible study is, there's no like degree of you've got it or you don't got it. Um, it's, uh, it's for all of us. So here's what I want you to do. I want to, uh, at the end of this, we're going to just pick one of, uh, at random, a number, um, and, uh, however many people have posted some of their work, uh, go ahead and, uh, dump that in the, um, comment section, just snap a picture and put that in there. I'd love to, uh, Wait, is this for donuts? This is for donuts, man. Yeah. Oh, okay. So can I put my my yes, picture in the comments? Not? Yeah, we're gonna just pick a random number, and whoever is there, where is uh, that's, nice, that's nice. Hey, I want to get into um, chapter two. I Let's posted my my work um, that I did. This is um, you know what I uh, how I cut it up today, um, and I put mine in the comments there. You can kind of pull that up if you want to see some of my my thinking. It's not right. It's just observations. Um, but Scott, I think something that stood out here in chapter two is, um, we came out of this section in chapter one, talking about the word. And then this word continues in the chapter two, verse one. Therefore you have put aside all this stuff like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word spirit. The word, no, Scott. Oh, the word. word. Oh, I got right spirit. There. The word. <laughs> uh, so that by it you may grow in respect to you, salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Um, there's this contrast we all pointed out last week about um, those who follow God, who believe in God, those who do not, and so those who do put away some things and crave more of God's word. And then you know Peter goes into this moment and coming to him as a to a living stone. This is a metaphor. Rejected by men, but it's choice and precious. He's using all of these things to describe Christ as their temple. Um, we see uh, some of those those ideas there: choice, precious. Um, you are a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. You're offering up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable, <clears throat> acceptable. We all want to be acceptable to God. How are we made acceptable? Well, it's we're acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. And then he goes on to give scriptures. I don't use any helps to let me know where these scriptures are from, so I actually don't really even know. I couldn't find those. Um, but it, again, reiterate. I just said precious. OT reference. OT reference, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly. all I got. Yeah. Sometimes as preachers, when you don't know how to say something either, you know a trick that, that Moody used to say? He would be preaching, he'd come up to a what? really difficult name, he'd stop and he'd make some comment, and then he'd pick up the verse reading after the hard word. <laughs> it's the same idea. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, so then he says the stone, the builders rejected. So the stone, it's both for the believers. It's going to be a building stone for the unbelievers. It's yeah. a stumbling stone. And that's the old Testament tie in. And then notice he says, verse nine, but you, all of you are a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for God's own possession. You got a, a race, a priesthood, a nation, a people. All of this in my mm -hmm. mind is making me think back to the nation of Israel and so if we've got this temple imagery up top, we all have this national identity imagery, which is the family of God. And so you've got Christ, our temple, Christians as God's people. 
And they are the ones that are displaying that we once were not loved, but now we're loved. Once we had no mercy, now we're mercy. Do you remember where that's from? It is from Hosea. Hosea. The children's name of – that's like a nerdy Jeopardy question, right? Yeah. me and Lorama, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, not loved, Dan, I, not my people. I, I wondered in this – I know that last week we kind of talked about the context and who this was written to. And just in my in my own reading of, of this chapter, it, it became very apparent to me, like I'm convinced that this was very, pre- like at least predominantly to Jewish people because of all this stuff you're talking about, like the OT references up in verse five, we get the spiritual sacrifices um, and then all the way down to the Hosea reference. Do you agree? Like, did you get that sense going I through it? I had the same exact thought. And actually, Kristen and I were talking about it and I was like, there's no way this was written no. to non-Jewish people. There's just no way. Like, it's got to yeah. be. And particularly as we get into chapter three, they're going to make references to Sarah. And it's like, how do you mm-hmm. how do you expect people to know that if they don't know the Old Testament? And the allusions are yeah. just so specific. So at a minimum, in my mind, it's um, there's there's two options. It could be it's a, it's a strictly Jewish audience that is Christian, mm-hmm. or it is a... Um, a primarily Jewish with some Gentile mixed Christians. Yeah. And, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Be, well, I, I love that because you can, you can read and you can know, like you can figure this out on, on your own. You can understand, okay, these are OT references. This, this must be who he's talking to. I just love being able to, to you pick out those little parts and come to some conclusions in your mind and not hold them, you know, with an iron fist, but, just a better understanding of the text and who it was written to. Yeah. And, and, you know, if we take Peter, the one thing that everyone in the world knows Peter for is standing outside the pearly gates of heaven, determining who, yeah. Peter <laughs> there's no way Peter's going to go, Hey, I'll let you in. If you know, who did I write my letter to? Was it Jews? Yeah. Or was it Gentiles? Huh? <laughs> I didn't <laughs> like study it. <laughs> he's trying to point us to Christ. Right. So I, I went through all that kind of quickly just to show like, you know, we're going to think about these things. We're going to draw these connections. We want to know the, the flow of these, but mm-hmm. then I got to verse 11 and 12. And verse yeah. 11 and 12 stood out to me, screamed off the page. I'm curious if you guys in your comments uh, out in comment world, the many of you who are out there, would you let me know, how did you think about verses 11 and 12 when they came up to him? I'm going to reserve what I'm saying while you guys type in your comments. Maybe if uh, you're already on the comment you know, feed of the other one looking at the, the um, work I did, I kind of gave it away there. But... Um, Scott, did did verse eleven yeah. and verse twelve uh, jump out to you at all? Yeah, it it definitely did. Um, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on it, but it, it stood out to me because there was a change of tone and there was a change of yeah. um, not subject, but the 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 name that he was calling the the Jews, which stood out so abruptly. And it's like a summation of yeah. what he was coming from and where he's going. Yeah, uh, which is the you get in verse eleven, the sojourns and and the and the exiles. Yeah. So it's like coming from this, um, the word in chapter one, that word is then affecting these people in a certain way. They should be acting in a certain way, but it's it's meeting them where they are, like in, in the place and the trials that they have. And he names them sojourns and exiles, which is why this is like a roadmap for how to. Uh, how Christians ought to suffer and suffer well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they did stand out. Would also and that beloved. Yes. Okay. So yes, I was the, beloved. Say, the sojourn and exile or the aliens and strangers, that 
first caught my eye and then beloved. I had to stop and think and go, beloved? Yeah. Talk about these people as beloved? Yeah. And so I went back and kind of reread and was like, this is the first time that this pops up. And um, is it? it's not because, well, it's not in the sense that, um, you know, we, we are, um, my pages are all out of order. It's, okay, I gotta <laughs> it's not in the sense that, you know, God isn't loving towards them. Um, but verse eight says, you've not seen him, you love him. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, at the same time, oh, wait, are you in chapter we're one? Called, we're in chapter one, chapter one, 14. So oh, yeah. Oh, children. Yeah. Um, and then he comes and he brings them through. And I think that word beloved is so important because there's thinking about the context. These are people who are stuck in a world where they don't know if they belong. Mm -hmm. And Peter's reassuring them, you are called, you are chosen, you are a holy nation. The prom essentially, the promises that God gave to Israel, he's not given up. He still has his people. They still are yeah. his beloved. Mm. You are those people. Even though you're strangers and sojourners or aliens, yeah. What made Israel special was that God gave them land, seed, and blessing. Mm. And he says to them, you're the temple. It doesn't matter where the land is. You're the temple. Yeah. You're going to be the living yeah. stones. They're going to be walking around all over the place. And this is why it's great. You're the ones. Um, I'm going to call you to be blessed. And not only that, I think it's the end of chapter two um, or the end of this verse. He says, because of your good deeds, they may observe them and glorify God in the day of visitation. It's almost as if yeah. you being the living stone and, and acting in a good nature in this world is going to be what everyone else around you sees and draws mm. them into the glory, the glory of God. And so he's, he's really pulling out, uh, you are a chosen people. Yeah. And no one's taking me up so far in the comments. I don't know if we lost everybody already, but um, <laughs> here, here's why I think chapter two, verse 11 and 12 are huge because it seems to me that Peter is emphasizing everything into a bottom line. Hmm. Almost like he's saying, here's the bottom line. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage yeah. war against your soul. Number one. Mm -hmm. I think I wrote it on it one, one place. I said, even or especially in exile, you should pay attention or you should live wholly for and to the Lord. Like even, even in exile, God yeah. wants his people to keep from the things that would, that would tear down not their witness, but their own soul, right? Mm -hmm. He's not worrying about... He's not worried. Maria says she's just listening. She's taking it in. It's all right, Maria. You're the provider of the donuts. You can, you got to pass. That's okay. Um, so there's that part. It's like, how important is your soul? It's incredibly important. But then number two, he says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Mm. And this is a new idea. This is something that Peter yep. is kind of pushing us to in a new sense. And we got to pay attention to the logical flow of where he's going. And here's why this is huge. Because Peter is about to start a brand new idea that's going to carry itself through for many chapters. And so um, we're going to get to chapter three at, you know, next week. You guys are going to love chapter three. I've got my, my, my good friend, one of my professors from Wheaton College. Uh, his name is Dr. Vince Baco. We're going to be giving away copies of his book next week. And actually, I'm going to try oh, cool. to get like a whole case of them and see if <laughs> oh, nice. the first, the first you know, 10, 20, however many come into case books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the first 10, 20 people who come on the call just get one of his books. It's called The Political Disciple. Huh. Is that not a book that we need? 
right now. Yeah. It's like to know how to navigate, read it. Like, it's not political yeah. and like Republican Democrat. It's like using sure. power disciples, how mm. they use power. It's he's brilliant, but he, um, he's gonna be coming on to help us navigate, um, first Peter three. And I'm calling him yeah. not a commentary. He's a, phone a friend. Okay. <laughs> oh, nice. We have phone three. Yeah, what, phone what is that? Friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, so all that to say, Peter's going to give, you know, instructions to wives in first mm-hmm. Peter three. And if you don't know the context of first Peter two, yeah, I know a lot of people gave a lot of women some bad advice based off of first Peter three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we keep in our mind all of what Peter is trying to do. And what, what starts in first Peter three actually starts in first Peter two, chapter two, mm-hmm. verse 12. And that's that literary, that context stage of this biblical method, uh, you know, this study. And you can't skip over one because if you don't understand the context and you don't understand the logical flow of the argument, you misinterpret the text and misinterpreted text leads to bad advice. It leads to bad preaching. It leads to, at the end of the day, misinterpreting what God had for us. So it is like it is important to see the letter as a whole and understand two before three. Yeah. Here's what Laura Wasco just dropped in here. She said, yeah. um, if she could, if she could arrange it, she said, we don't want anything in our lives to give people a bad taste for the gospel. And I think that is an excellent, That's excellent good. way to say it really, really well thought through for sure. Um, so here's, here's what I just thought about. I, I'm, I'm going to start making a bet, right? Um, as I'm going through the book, I'm going to start, um, start hypothesizing what do i think peter's mm. going to start pushing the first time i yep. read through this i really thought he's talking about end, end days because i kept seeing like in the end days uh-huh. or in these end times i think he's just acknowledging the reality of where they are, are you looking at like the day of visitation in yeah, the day of verse 12 and yeah sure sure my bet though is that actually peter's main thesis for the entire book of first peter is found in verses 11 and verse 12 of chapter mm. 2 and I think it's these two two parts. And now I could be wrong, and I could be you know I could get through this and develop my my whole my whole reasoning, and find someone else is like the reason that this is not the main argument. <laughs> that's happened to me so many times. I'll have written an yeah. outline, I'll write a sermon, and then I'll go check it, and people will be like, "One mistake you want to avoid in this passage is this," and I'll be like, like "Ooh, I got that wrong." <laughs> but right now, my working theory, just my working yeah. theory, is verses eleven and twelve huge. You watch over your soul in holiness and then mm-hmm. keep your behavior in view of other people as excellent and good and, and perfect as can be because they're going to criticize you for following Jesus, but they're going to be criticizing your good actions as evil actions. And then as they see your actions unfolding, they're yep. going to recognize your actions as good and it'll lead them to Christ in the day of visitation will be their salvation. It's a really, it's a really funny. I remember I had to preach this verse. Um, hmm. There's probably article, you know, audio out there somewhere. But um, I call this subversive Christianity. Peter is calling us to live so impeccably kind lives in social realms that hmm. the, the bad name of Christians is like an oxymoron. Like they, they yeah. Um, I could list off some groups of people right now. I don't want to wade into those waters that I think would be doing this well right now. Um, but not all Christians are. And I think Peter's point is in your exile, in your social pressure, don't give in to your own soul. Don't give in to them. Make mm. sure you are holy as God is 
holy. And then here's what he's going to do. He's going to lay out different categories of how this looks. Yeah. Well, and and let's not let's not forget what Peter is highlighting here. It's 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 your action among the Gentiles so that they might hear the gospel. Yeah. And and that's where he came from in chapter 1 and then that's even where he goes to in this next chunk of text. You look at like mine is headed submission to authority. But there is there's gospel nuggets through here that Paul or that Peter is is driving at. You know, you get to like verse 21 and on. He wants you to be uh, untouchable so that they might see the gospel. Yeah. And that's what I think Laura Wasco did a really good job uh, of highlighting all of that, you know, for the gospel, bad taste for the gospel. Yeah. And I think if we keep that in mind, we see that well. Um, I'm not going to belabor the point on any of the structure of the content again, but I want to get to then themes. And I think one of the themes I would put forth is, you know, Laura's, Laura's thing is actually really a great theme. Um, mm-hmm. If we wanted to call that a theme, don't have anything in your lives to give people a bad taste for the gospel is a great way to say it. Um, it doesn't have to be even that f- that fancy. You know, subversive Christianity is a, is a way I could say it. That's two words that would make your preaching professor happy. Um, <laughs> it, it passes that test. I really think though, it's, yeah. um, it's just uh, wise living amongst um, non-Christians and yeah. um, I had conduct as exiles yeah. just trying to use, use his terms. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, always wise better living when you can use the terms the of the Bible. So um, I want to just dig into questions about theme and then, um, so we have that theme. How is the gospel in view here in first Peter chapter two? We didn't do this part with, uh, first Peter chapter one, but this is a, this is something we always want to think about. Um, cause the Bible tells one story at the center of that story mm-hmm. is Christ. The, we call it in theology, the Christ event. It's a weird way to talk about it, but that's his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension and his return. Um, those are kind of the light, the, the Christ event. The, the really technical part of that is death, resu- burial, resurrection. Um, but what we see a very clear part in chapter 2, verse 21 through 25. Um, is there anything else in here that could be, you know, aspects of the gospel that are in view? I, I didn't think about anything before that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I was looking at 21 to 25. Um, I, I have a question though for you, Dan, as, yeah. and maybe you can help, help me and in, in my Bible study and, and people listen when, when we're looking for themes and we're looking for gospel kind of life application, finally, which are the last little bits of this method that we're, we're, uh, supporting here. How do we, what are some clues that we, that stick out to us off the page to say, Oh, that's gospel or, Oh, this is a this is a piece of the theme of of the text. Like, how do we, how can we do that? How can I get better at finding those themes? How can I get better at picking out the gospel from these passages? Yeah. So Peter is really easy. Martin Luther called this the um, like the gospel. I don't know if it's the gospel in living color. I mean, that's like a that's a theor- theatrical video thing. But he had a phrase that that said he preferred First Peter over any book because it's all gospel. Um, the, the way you, I mean, what is, you got to ask yourself, what is the gospel? And every time I do Mm -hmm. Bible study, I learn more about the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God saves sinners. That's the basic gospel, how he does it. He sent his son to die on the cross in my place. He rose from the dead, thus defeat paying for my sin and defeating the enemy of death. And he offers anyone who believes 
eternal life. So in that very basic definition of the gospel, you yeah. could you could tack you know you could go through this and and in verse um, chapter uh, verse six um, that mm-hmm. scripture reference he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Well, the point of the gospel is that you would believe, and in in belief, the gospel gives you not disappointment but confidence, not disappointment yeah. but joy, not disappointment but inheritance. There, there's future glory and hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the flip side, for you who who do not believe. Um, or who disbelieve, verse seven, the stone which the builders rejected, it became the very cornerstone. And so that's to say, the Puritans had a way of saying the same sun that melts wax hardens clay. Hmm. The gospel in view here is that the work of Christ is going to have its effect in some hearts to respond by faith and in other hearts to harden them and they're gonna trip over him. And that's why you know you're, you're dealing with a true gospel when people hate Jesus, they don't just hate the church. When people trip over Jesus, that's yeah. when they're encountering the gospel. But if we've never given them the gospel and they just hate Christians for hypocrisy, you're, we're kind of like, we're giving them a bad gospel. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's one yeah, way absolutely. to do that. That's like a really ticky-tack, nerdy way to do it. I think let's let's walk through verse 21 and following. I sure. think you got a couple thoughts. We could do this in a few seconds here. Yeah, um, yeah. Just show us, show us moments. Scott, you do this right now. Show us moments in verses 20, yeah. 21, 22 that are just like the Christ event. Yeah, and there are so obviously you're looking for you're looking for Christ, and you want to tag along Peter's theme, which he's been developing, which is suffering. So he's talking all about Christ's suffering here. So you have it in verse 21 because Christ also suffered for you. Um, obviously, that's uh, that's Christ. But then this for you is this union with Christ, peace that he is he's pulling in. Um, and you get the gospel in, in 22 in his life. He committed no sin. He was reviled. This is his crucifixion when he suffered his crucifixion. Um, but he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. And then you get this Old Testament reference. And maybe you can help me on this, Dan. I think this is an Old Testament reference out of Deuteronomy. I'm not sure. In 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on a tree. That body on a tree was the lifting of a curse in the Old Testament. Um, I'm pretty sure in, in Deuteronomy or Leviticus, but it was how the curse of the land was to be lifted. And it was, yeah. uh, I think, hi- also highlighting the fact that it was written to Jews. But, um, You're probably right. That, Off the top of my head, I don't have that. Like, that's just okay, not, okay. I'm not savant like that. And, and maybe it's not, but that I think that is the most uh, gospel-centric verse in this section, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And that's what I always look for is, is the, the sin and the righteousness because invariably they're connected in Peter and especially in Paul. You never get the one without the other. And this, this is us. This is our story. And by his wounds, you are healed. So yeah, and there's never any wasted Bible study when you read the gospel again, even if it's basic even if it's just uh reiterating the fact that we have died to sin and we lived to righteousness if that's what you get in your bible study like that's a win you know that is a win and god will use that in your day i have moments where i read that and then i gotta read it again and then i gotta read it again and i'm doing this like you know this stuff with it i first time i read it i go die to sin that's the first point from verse 11 yep live to righteousness that's the second point from verse 12 Right, yep. so so you've died to sin in your soul, and then verse 
verse uh, 12 (laughs) is uh, you're going to live to righteousness. You're going to live in the context of the Gentiles right. And so I can't ignore this kid. Yeah, I know. Miles, say hi to the world. Oh, it's Miles. Hey, Miles. (laughs) He's always wanted to use the microphone. Here, everybody, Miles is going to use the microphone. Can you just say hi? Hi. What's up, Miles? How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Future preacher, right? I don't know. If he wants to be. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And Dan, you know, you're looking at that outline from 11 and 12. And I, I think you're right. Like you are, you are supporting your argument that this is the theme and the thesis statement of the book. So there is abstention from sin. So that's, you know, putting aside your flesh, dying to sin. And then there is this living to righteousness so that others might see it. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think you're right. It very easily could be 11 and 12. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so then I have these moments where I, I just sit. I, here's what I do. This is a window. Yeah. My grandpa used to just talk to the Bible. And if you'd walk past his study, you'd hear him and you'd think someone was like conversing with him. <laughs> I don't do that. That's weird. My thing though is my hands. I will huh. sit here and I'll just do this. This is like, <laughs> it's just like you died for me. Right, yeah. like that thing that you just pulled out, Scott. I missed it. I missed it uh, today when I read it. But Christ suffered for you, mm. and I have to stop and think. Why? Like why? Why me? Yeah. You know, like there's this moment of just sheer grace and glory and undeserved kindness that is being pulled out here in the gospel, and so yeah. that reminds me who is trapped in my own first world exile today. Coronavirus is what I call a first world exile. Yeah. I think the people, if we called it exile, the people in the you know first century would look at us and be like, "What? Are you hungry? Did you lose your?" It's house? like that. Did you have, have you seen that Wonka movies? meme? That Willy Wonka meme. <laughs> Tell me about how you are exiled, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, so, so I, 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 I think in my own heart though that I remember this is a difficult season of our lives, but suffering is no big deal yeah. christ suffered for me yeah and then likewise um he's taking care of my unrighteousness right he's taking mm. care of uh, of that on the tree he bore my sin on his body on the cross so that i could mm. die to sin which means i can die to sin yeah which is good news for people who are trapped in their house you know quarantine has made some people even deeper alcoholics Mm. They don't think they can quit because uh, every night it's another drink and it's just the rhythm of life and they're getting up in the morning trying to get to five o'clock and then they're just having as much as they can. The reality is Christ died on the cross for your sin so that you could live to righteousness so that you could be set free and die to sin. It's possible for us to let go of the things that control us and live our lives in full submission and glad surrender to him. And when we live our lives holy as God is holy, it heals our soul, right? It's not our power, it's Christ's power. He did it for us, it's possible, but it heals our soul. By his wounds you are healed, right? And then when I live that way, and I, not in a morality, legalistic 1950s type of way or fundamentalist Baptist type of way. Sorry if you're a fundy Baptist, we can talk later. But not in a rule setting, you got to do these things, got to be, you know, X amount of inches tall to get into heaven, that type of thing. Um, but a true transformed life that says, no, Christ died for me 
yeah. Therefore, I'm going to put aside envy and slander and malice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to put that aside, and I'm going to live a life that honors people in all forms of life. Right? Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor yeah. the king. That's verse 17. When I and, do that, I'm I, living to righteousness. That's the power of God, the gospel working itself out in me. It's the, it's the beautiful fruit of the seed that is bloomed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it in my life. When I become righteous in other people's eyes, the full righteousness of God is having its full effect in my life. And then I go like this. Yeah. <laughs> right. And let's, let's call that moment what it is. That's the goal of Bible study. When you, when you approach Scripture... You let it speak to you and you believe what it says that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Like that is the goal we're getting at here in Bible study. So, you know, beyond the the context and and, and the structure, we're looking for the themes and and yes, what we can apply to our life because of, of the gospel. This is like, this is what we're going for in study. Yeah. So then I had one last thought, you know, there's this yeah. random shepherd illustration that he says, he, he oh, says, yeah. um, that's kind of weird, continually straying like sheep, but then you, but now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Mm-hmm. I took that. I just wrote in my, in my paper, it was a reflective thing. I'm, I'm, as I'm going through this, I'm on the lookout for the word soul. It's just uh-huh. then one verse nine huh. ends that whole section with soul. It's, it seems to be a very important weighty thing that Peter is concerned about. Yeah. Um, and uh, verse 11 ends, right? Beloved, I urge you as aliens to abstain from fleshly lustrous wage war against your soul, like your mm-hmm. soul. And then he ends this chapter. He says, you are continually straying like sheep. Well, well, what did the, sh- the shepherd do? Shepherd's not caring for your body. Even though that's what the shepherd in Jesus' parable does. He goes and gets the sheep's body and pr- protects mm-hmm. its life. This shepherd is, is caring and guarding our soul. And so the question that I think Peter is setting us up for is what's more important, your physical body or your soul? Yeah, that's good. I think there's a weight to that that I'm just trying to pay attention to and I'm trying to ask myself and I'm yeah. even reflecting. That's a good theme to track. Yeah. yeah. I'm tracking inwardly going, okay, in this time, am I aware of my soul or am I just, mm. you know, dealing with my stress with Cheetos? <laughs> Potato chips are my thing, not Cheetos. Donuts, I thought for sure. Donuts. donuts. Well, no, no, donuts are holy. In all <laughs> oh, oh right yeah. Ways. Uh, so, uh, right. Um, um, but, but my soul, am I looking out for my yeah. soul during this moment? If I'm in exile, if I'm suffering, do I realize that because I'm safe in God, his work on the cross, being healed by his stripes, his wounds, that it's like returning back to the good shepherd who's guarding us, who's, who's holding our soul. Mm. Your soul is in good hands, yep. guys. Like that's, that's yeah. the thing. So a lot of great stuff in, in first Peter chapter two, we didn't give it the full treatment like we did last week, but I think that's okay. Scott, we got to pick some winners. I like it. Get Let's Maria it. Rodriguez cooking again. <laughs> bacon. I'm sorry. Bacon. Um, okay. You got to give me a number. Let's see how many we got here. I'm on Facebook. Uh, are you on Facebook? I am. I'm in a live stream because I'm a narcissist. You're in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even I know. Just, yeah. <laughs> live streams that just are fantastic. Feels really awkward. Uh, well, are these the comments on the. Well, are we on the live stream or are we pulling them from the live stream? The other or one. No, so Sharon, From the other one, the donut one. Yeah, Sharon and. Uh, 
Uh, oh, yeah. Maria asked a question. She said uh, to Sharon, she liked what she wrote, but she didn't know why I didn't have questions or comments or anything really. But seeing <laughs> others and my notes helps her. And yeah, yeah. the real answer is, Maria, I hadn't done the work to post it. So <laughs> I couldn't put anything up there. I had to I like it. I like it. Work. Yeah. So, um, and then Monica. So Threw some stuff out there, which her notes were excellent. She was tracking some some words, and then Eric Wasser yeah. was as well. Um, you attaching those names to some numbers? I can give you a number. I've in my mind, I've got them. Okay. Out. So one through three. Give me a. Give me a. Okay. Number. Whoa, Rebecca Douglas in under the wire. Oh, I like it. She just nice, snuck Rebecca. it in. And hold on, one through make four. Sure this is First Peter, not just like your kids' yeah. homework. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks legit. All right, it looks legit. Okay, one through four. Huh, I got to restart right. this. Um, okay, go ahead. All right. Well, I'm going to go, uh, with number three because the bulls three peated and I'm in the last dance right now. So we're going with three final answer. Number three would be, uh, Rebecca Douglas. I was going oh, by alphabetical <laughs> order of their first name. Nice. Congrats, uh, so Rebecca. Congrats, Rebecca. And then, uh, so that was from their homework. But then I also want to give um, okay. something away from today. Uh, just whoever. Uh, For comments on the, yeah, the live why stream. Not? Why not? Yeah, and good. you know what, you know like what I'm it. thinking? Huh. I'm thinking uh, is Mike Adams threw in here number 17. Mike, I don't know what that means, but I'm so glad that you are on the call and you're sticking with us and you've yes. stuck with us so long. And I also saw that you've been um, – I think you you wrote, maybe maybe it was somebody else, but uh, you're stuck in my mind as wanting to have tried Maria's donuts, and so uh, Maria, we're gonna yes, make, we're gonna make donuts for the Douglas family, and for Mike, not Jan, Mike. Do you hear that, Jan? Mike. No, I'm just kidding, Jan. We, Jan we should get those red bevel ones out. Uh, yeah, no, thanks thanks to you guys. Hey, next week, um, everybody, yes. seven o'clock. Uh, for a couple of the minutes, uh, Vince Bako, Dr. Vince Bako, uh, will be with us. He actually runs the um, the Center for uh, Applied Christian Ethics at Wheaton College. It's a pretty, he's a big deal, but he doesn't know it. And I love that about him. <laughs> um, and he's been so kind to me. He's been like a coach and a mentor to me. So I'm excited to like introduce you guys to him. That'll uh, be really he'll cool. Be coming on, he'll be coming on. He's an intellectual, so give him grace. You know, he thinks deeply and repeats himself and sound, uses, you know, a $2 word where a one-cent word will fit. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'd love for you guys to interact with him. And what I'd love to do is, like, ask questions next week. We got a couple, um, situ- you know, a couple uh, situations with wives and husbands, um, you know, all these things. I want us to look at verse 8 of chapter 3. It literally says, to sum up. So that's got to be important to us. Let's think about what Peter says when he says to sum up in verse eight. And then um, he's going to talk about um, uh, kind of pushing this even further to its logical conclusion. What credit is there for you if you suffer by doing bad? No, suffer for mm-hmm. doing good. And so um, I don't know. I just I, I love that you guys are getting this. It seems like all the te- the work that you guys are doing is really pushing and bearing fruit. And so my hope is that by the time we get to chapter five, maybe you don't feel like you can, you know, take a book and dissect it perfectly. I don't know that I could do that, but you feel confident to know you can read it and pick up themes Mm -hmm. and know that this is what God's word is saying. And so, um, Scott, thanks for being on the call this week and, uh, and helping out. Thank you guys. I love you. HP. 
Thanks for digging into God's word. We will uh, see you next week. See See you guys.